Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. This is Marty McDermott, the president of Franchise Interviews, and I can't start today's show without talking about the ISO 10002. You know, some people just love to complain, but companies have a responsibility to care. The International Organization for Standardization, ISO, has revised ISO 10002, the standard for complaint handling. This document enables organizations to foster a customer-focused environment, open the feedback, heightening their customer satisfaction. You can get the ISO 10002 standard from the American National Standards Institute, ANSI, U.S. member body of ISO. Visit ANSI.org forward slash complain to learn more. That's ANSI.org forward slash complain to learn more. Franchise Interviews. From Easton, Pennsylvania to Sydney, Australia, you're listening to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews. Welcome to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews has been giving an up-close, behind-the-scenes look at franchising and entrepreneurship. Listen to interviews with franchisers, franchisees, franchise authors, franchise experts, and attorneys. And now... Welcome your host, Marty McDermott, and Franchise Interviews. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a very special edition of Franchise Interviews, where for over 12 years now, we've been asking the franchipreneurs of all of I'm your host, Marty McDermott. I'm the president of Franchise Interviews, and we have a great show today. We're meeting with Bruce Lane, the Vice President of Operations and Franchise Services at Quaker Steak and Lou. As one of the most brand-differentiated restaurants in fun family casual, Quaker Steak and Lou has been a successful concept for over 40 years. The unique motorsports-themed decor includes vintage gas station memorabilia, classic cars, motorcycles, and race cars suspended from the ceiling. Craveable food and high-octane events have created a cult-like fan following for Quaker Steak and Lou. We're going to talk to Bruce about that in just a moment on Franchise Interviews. So stick around because we have a great show. The Stone Coat Franchise Opportunity. Are you looking for a unique and lucrative franchise opportunity? If so, take a look at Stone Coat. With a patented process which creates a true stone finish on almost any wall or ceiling, Stone Coat is a true game-changing product in the multi-billion dollar construction industry. Stone Coat is applied faster, cleaner, and cheaper than conventional quarried stone, which saves both time and money. With advantages in remodel and new construction of both residential and commercial projects, Stone Coat is a true crossover product. The Stone Coat Franchise Opportunity provides a low startup cost, low operating expenses, comprehensive training, ongoing support, and no royalty payments. For more information on the Stone Coat Franchise Opportunity, go to www.stonecoatfranchise.com. That's www.stonecoatfranchise.com or call us at 972-380-2700. That's 972-380-2700. Hi, this is Connie McDermott, Administrative Assistant for Franchise Interviews, LLC, and you're listening to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews. From Easton, Pennsylvania to Sydney, Australia, you're listening to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews. 
Hi, everyone. Welcome back to a very special edition of Franchise Interviews, where for over 12 years now, we've been asking the franchipreneurs one one. I'm your host, Marty McDermott. I'm the president of Franchise Interviews, and as we were saying earlier, we have a great show today. We're meeting with Bruce Lane, the vice president of operations and franchise services at Quaker Steak and Lube. And as one of the most brand-differentiated restaurants in fun family casual, Quaker Steak and Lube has been a successful concept for over 40 years. Hi, Bruce. How are you? Welcome to the show. I am great, Marty. Thank you for having me. Uh, this is my pleasure. It's, all, it, it's always a pleasure, Bruce, for me to have a franchise that kind of, uh, I guess we could say, originated in the Pennsylvania area. I don't get that that often uh, doing the show you know, for 12 years, so it's really great to have you on this show. Maybe you could talk uh, about your mention where you're calling from today, Bruce. Well, although it, it feels like the Arctic Circle, I'm actually calling you from <laughs> lovely Cleveland, Ohio. Is that right? Well, it's cold here in Pennsylvania today, too. It feels like it's zero degrees, so I, I, I know how you feel. But, you know, I was reading about you, Bruce. Your your, your background, your experience is, is, is very impressive. You know, maybe you could tell our listeners or give us, like, a brief overview of your background and, you know, how you came to join the Quaker Stick and Lube brand, because I thought it was a great story. All right. Well, great. Well, I uh, started many years ago. I've got almost 30 years in the, in the restaurant industry. And mm-hmm. as a uh, young, poor student in, in college, I, I needed a job uh, while I was going to school. I went to a, a, a local uh, McDonald's franchisee and just filled out an application. And then for some reason, I wrote on top of it, I'd like to be interviewed for management. Uh, with no experience or anything, I just, uh, I guess, just chutzpah. Uh, he took the interview and and I, I got hired on and uh, started my food service career. Then it's kind of one of those things that you know, little kids my age grew up wanting to be firemen or policemen or astronauts. <laughs> right. But once you get once once you get a spatula in your hand, it's uh, uh, you, you learn to love it. Uh, and so uh, yeah. uh, did many years on company operations side. I, I started my service uh, at McDonald's as a as an hourly paid manager, uh, worked my way up to general manager. Uh, then uh, worked with uh, some other very large, very big brands on company operations from mm. restaurant manager to uh, multi-unit. Uh, after about 10 years of working mostly company side of the business, got promoted uh, to the franchise side of the business, and I've been working on franchise operations uh, ever since. And I uh, uh, started with Quaker Steak and Lube uh, at Travel Centers of America, uh, came on board almost two years ago, and uh, I am loving every minute of it. What was it about uh, Quaker Steak and and Lou Bruce, um, you know, that attracted you to it? Because you worked for, I mean, some really, you know, amazing brands. So, you know, and and you have all this experience, you know, now in in franchising. So what was it about it that that really stood out that you liked? I I think it's the the, the culture, Uh, the the almost cult-like love that – uh, the guests have for the brand, and the uh, the franchisees and the, and the company operators have for the brand, and the fact that it is a very solid, uh, very successful regional uh, organization, uh, Pacific mm-hmm. uh, specifically, uh, you know, Midwest uh, Ohio Ohio uh, Pennsylvania centric, but with right. the uh, with the, the the national recognition or for the ability to have great national recognition, so the the upside potential of the brand growth is is phenomenal, and being able to help a brand go from uh, 50 restaurants, uh, which we have c- currently, to you know my goal of 150, 200 restaurants in the next five to ten years, uh, that opportunity was just uh, uh, outstanding for me. That's terrific, and uh, you know being out living out here in Pennsylvania, of course, I'm very familiar with Quaker Steak and Lubrus. 
But one of the things I did not know is that the organization has been around for over 40 years. And, you know, in doing the show 12 years, I can't say that we've had a lot of brands that, that are, hit that 40-year mark. Uh, maybe you could talk a little bit about the history of Quaker Steak and Loop because they do have an amazing history. Right. Uh, 1974 uh, was our first restaurant uh, that opened. It opened in a small town named Sharon, Pennsylvania. Sharon is on the west uh, border of uh, Pennsylvania to the to Ohio, just above uh, Pittsburgh. And it was found about two gentlemen in a old gas station uh, as a cook-your-own-steak company, if you can imagine that, uh, wow. back in 1974. Uh, it was a uh, – they had uh, – Grills your place, you know, they would bring the product in and then the customers would come in and, and, and cook their own meals. But their love for, they were both classic car collectors. Uh, right. And so that was kind of the, uh, the, the, the mix between the location, uh, a gas, old gas station, and their love for classic cars that uh, they got the name, uh, Pennsylvania being a Quaker state. Right. Uh, so Quaker uh, started as Cook Your Own Steak, uh, and then the Lube uh, was the gas station. Uh, connection. So right. Quaker Steak and Lube, uh, and uh, eventually, uh, after several years of, of, of success there locally, opened some company restaurants, and then uh, started franchising in the early 90s. Uh, and uh, we, Travel Centers of America, uh, acquired the brand uh, a little over two years ago in uh, uh, in 2016, and we are uh, growing it uh, at, a, at a national pace right now. That's terrific. And I say, you know, I always tell people, you know, Quaker Steak and Lube is, is really an experience, isn't it, Bruce? You know, you know, maybe you could talk a little bit about, you know, when you're meeting with uh, a prospective franchisee, Bruce, I mean, how do you how do you describe the concept to them? It is almost overwhelming uh, visually mm -hmm. when you walk in the building. I, I right. know in your uh, in your lead to the show, uh, you spoke about our uh, very uh energetic uh, environment. Uh, right. We have uh, cars, uh, motorcycles hanging from the ceilings, uh, some collector bikes. We have some uh, cars up on, up on lifts uh, that people it's, – it's half museum, half restaurant, half – Daddy, what kind of car is that? That's the kind of car <laughs> I used to drive when I was your age. Uh, it is a, a, a very uh, – Visually stimulating, uh, always something to look at. Obviously, we, we've got televisions all over the place. You can look at the sports uh, in the news going on. But uh, the uh, cult-like draw mm -hmm. uh, comes from our uh, car and motorcycle enthusiasts. Uh, it is a uh, it is a, a niche, but also a very wide uh, spectrum uh, at, at the same time. It's kind of uh, hard to imagine it, uh, right. but the... Uh, the environment you see, there's always something to look at. There's, 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 it's almost a museum-like, party-like atmosphere at the same time uh, when you're when you're walking around. We have customers that come in and and just walk around the building for five or ten minutes before they even sit down, wow. because they want to see and absorb everything. And there's always a story behind a bike, uh, or a motorcycle, or a car uh, hanging from the ceiling. You know, either on the wall. Hanging from the ceilings, hanging upside down from the ceiling, uh, it is a uh, it is a true uh, uh, entertainment uh, experience as opposed to just coming in and sitting down and, and, and eating and going home. We can do that too, uh, but uh, it's a, it's an exciting time when you go into a Quaker Steak and Lube. 
That's terrific. Are all the restaurants, are they, you know, because you get to go into to, to all of them, Bruce. I mean, are all of them exactly identical, or is there some, like, variation between one restaurant and another restaurant because of the decor? Uh, they're all a little different. Uh, right. They're all, you know, we have restaurants that range from four to 5,000 square feet. We have restaurants that are wow. 15,000 square feet. We've got some restaurants with three and four uh, different bars. We have big facilities. And uh, in each different restaurant, there is a local touch to it. Uh, some, A lot of the cars that are on display mm. are owned by local uh, other local businesses or uh, the guy who runs the drag races down the street or the wow. guy who uh, has four or five different cars in his collection. And we rotate those out. And so there's always something different coming in. They'll, you know, today there may be a 57 Shelby and, uh, you know, next month there could be a, uh, you know, 2019 uh, Mustang uh, that uh, always changes. Uh, and uh, we, we, tie in with the local car dealers, car collectors, motorcycle dealers uh, all, around the, all around the country to have a ever-changing uh, experience when our guests come in. Wow, that's very clever. What, what do you like to have when you go into a Quaker Steak and Lou, Bruce? I mean, you know, you get to visit a lot of them, don't you? I mean, do you have any personal favorites that you like when you go into the restaurant? Yes, I love our... Uh, on the menu side, our sauces of the month, we have a, uh, a different sauce of the month. Uh, we, we rotate out uh, as an LTO, limited time only offer, uh, and right. they are some of them are very uh, different. Uh, we've had some that were uh, butterscotch themed or, or maple themed. We have dry rubs. Uh, uh, I always love getting the sauces on our steaks uh, and ribs. Uh, barbecue ribs are great, uh, but a uh, uh, Louisiana liquor rib, which, which is one of our, our national sauces, is always great as well. Uh, and I, I tend to try to stay with those because they're good on almost everything that we sell. Uh, and uh, it gives me a little variety. I love our basic uh, uh, hamburgers and steaks and, and wings. Uh, but when I get to add the extra sauce of the month, uh, for a little variety and a little little different flavor, uh, it really uh, breaks up the monotony because, like you, you right. are correct, I eat at them a lot, uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, it is it's not a chore uh, when I right. get to have a little variety in my in my diet. That's fantastic. That's great. I'm sure there's been a lot of changes, you know, in, in 40 years, uh, Quaker Steak and, and and Lou Bruce. Maybe you could talk about you know the role that technology plays. Uh, in the organization today? Yeah, technology plays a, a huge role, not just in our organization, but I think industry-wide. Yeah. The, the, uh, the, the speed of which technology changes and the expectations that our guests have, uh, it's, 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 a, it's a moving target. Uh, right. And from the, uh, from the millennial guest, they expect and want and want to read a menu or want to choose where they eat one way. An, an older guest, maybe my generation, they want it, they want something different. They want to have a different environment. They they choose how they eat somewhere different, uh, a, a different manner, and the businesses today have to uh, be able to adapt and hit all those different platforms. Uh, Third-party delivery is the, is the biggest thing right now that right. Uh, is just sweeping across. Uh, it is hard to keep up uh, with the pace that uh, that things are changing, and uh, the guests are 
shopping with their phones now. They're, you know, not, they yes. don't have to be shopping with their feet. They don't have to get out of the car. They don't have to get out of the house uh, or the office. Uh, and with a third-party delivery, uh, it is a different. Uh, it's a different business. Uh, we have to have those things along with our dine-in business, uh, right. but also we don't want to disturb the dine-in business while we take care of people who are eating from their office or their home. Uh, and it's it's affecting it to the point where we are designing buildings for specifically to accommodate uh, a, a whole different venue uh, uh, mm-hmm. and revenue stream uh, as the uh, third-party delivery. Uh, so, uh, but also uh, in our training, uh, you know, people are you know learning differently. Some of the some of the people that we are uh, our younger employees. Uh, you know, they're used to iPads, they're used to iPhones, right. they're used to YouTube videos. It's not, here's a book, go read it, go take a test, uh, the way it was 20 years ago when I was growing up in the business. It is, uh, technology is really driving everything for us. And unfortunately, this also adds a lot of security issues because we have sure. to protect, you know, I, I, I pay, that sort of stuff. Right. We have to protect our customers at the same time. And so it is a, uh, it is a moving target and uh I would, I would not want to be in the IT field today because I don't know if I could keep up with the with the complexity and the speed of which that business changes. And you know, speaking of technology, Bruce, you know, I mean, all of that has added to I think the growth of the industry. It's amazing, you know, in doing the show so long, it just seems like your industry keeps getting bigger and bigger, and there's there's always growth. I mean, are there any numbers as far as where the industry's at today? I mean, it's safe to say it's a big industry. I yeah it's a obviously it's a big industry and I don't have any any numbers I would just yeah. say it's it's limitless because we again right. like a, it it changes so fast once somebody once somebody would have enough data to predict the future the data is right. is data is going to change or the technology is going to change That's I would true. just say that we everybody in the industry has to almost react immediately uh, or they're going to get left behind right. uh, and. Uh, I think, you know, in my personal uh, experience, it's convenience and speed and experience is what the guests are looking right. for now. They 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 can go anywhere and get a good meal, but they right. want to right. have an experience that is along with it. It is not just about eating; it is about being able to eat socially. Uh, and also not with just people that are sitting at the table, uh, you know, the Instagrams and Facebook Live and uh, all of those types of things change the environment. You know, it used to be you know, you would see people that uh, uh, eating and they'd be talking to each other. Well, now they're eating and they're they're talking to each other, but they're t- talking. They're doing it with their phones. Uh, you know, they are Instagramming pictures and things and everything that's happening around them and uh, really. Uh, really changing the entire uh, atmosphere uh, of the restaurant. It's a great thing about social media, isn't it, Bruce, is that, you know, how, you know, your own customers today are, are promoting, the, you know, Quaker Steak and Move. You know, they're in the restaurant because it's an experience. They're taking pictures and they're, they're tweeting or posting it on, on, on Facebook. And, you know, whoever knew that this was going to happen maybe a decade or two ago, you yeah. know, where your customers it, are just, you know, Tweeting, eating, you know, it, it just, it, it really is such, such an exciting time, you know, for, for, you know, for your type of business. You, you have so much experience. Um, you know, you've been doing this such a long time. What's been one of the most interesting things that's happened to you since you joined Quaker Steak and Lou, Bruce? Uh, 
Well, I don't know if it's interesting, but on, on a personal side, you know, I was mm-hmm. I moved here from the south, and uh, I thought I knew what cold was until I spent <laughs> my first winter in Cleveland last year. Uh, and then uh, and today and this week is going to teach me a, another level of cold. So yes. uh, that's the first thing that I learned is that uh, I thought I had it bad when it got down to 30. Now that it's going to hit <laughs> Minus thirty tomorrow. I, I may need to reevaluate my uh, uh, my 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 skill set on handling the winter. Uh, but <laughs> funny. Uh, on a on a serious note, the 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 most interesting thing on Quakers taking Louvre, and I, th- I mentioned a little bit earlier, is the the level of commitment from our franchisees, uh, mm-hmm. our our company operators, and more importantly, our our guests. We have guests uh, that have been eating with us since 1974, and they remember wow. the founder, and they remember they remember when chicken wings just started at Quaker Steak and Lube. Right now, chicken wings and, and the whole, our whole wing line is a very large part of our menu. Uh, it, and that started out as giving a free chicken uh, a chicken wing uh, on every entree uh, back in the 70s. Uh, when the price of cattle uh, was high, and, and at that point, uh, chicken wings were were not as expensive, and so it was just, it was an added value. And so, starting from that to 15 to 20 percent of our menu mix uh, being bone-in wings and boneless wings, uh, is comes from our loyal guests uh, and just their commitment and help. And it, it's surprising that the number of comments that, that that we get on our social media uh, is from guests who have been eating with us forever and hey I ha- we had this burger back in when I was a kid uh, why don't you right. put that back on the menu we had this sauce and we and we react to that uh, just last year we brought back many of our fan favorite items uh, specifically wow. requested by fans through social media uh, you know, and we start as we start looking at, at those uh, that communication, uh, and like you said, that the, they're tweeting and, and everything back and forth with each other, but they're also tweeting with us. They're giving us immediate feedback a lot of times while they're still in the building, and if there happens to be an opportunity, uh, we can get out and address it. The good operators get out and address it immediately, uh, right. and make sure that if somebody did, you know somebody did have a bad experience, you know, it, obviously it happens every now and then. Right. Uh, with with the social media and technology, we can address it instantly uh, to to uh, to improve the guests' uh, experience while they're dining with us. It's amazing that the change with social media, Bruce. It's it's like free market research, isn't it? You know, I mean, you're just getting it right away, instantaneously. You're not even really paying for it. You know, it's just, it's just the guests are telling you, you know what they like yep. and what they don't like. You know, and uh, uh, and you said as, as you said, your, your franchisees act on that. You know, and 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 I think that's. Fantastic. You, you you meet with a lot of prospective franchisees, Bruce. Um, when you're meeting with them, uh, what sorts of characteristics are you looking for in your franchisees or when you're meeting with those prospective franchisees? Well, most of our franchisees are multi-unit uh, owners, uh, either with our brand or with other brands. They'll own mm-hmm. three or four different brands and sometimes 25 to, to 100 different restaurants. So. Right. Uh, we, we look for experienced multi-unit level operators or people who can get to multi-unit uh, with uh, you know so, some years of, of full service experience, uh, but 
but but mainly being able to have a strong understanding of of the restaurant business, local store marketing. Uh, as we go into new cities and new markets, uh, the successful franchisee uh, will be able to get out and uh, be known in the community. It's not just a Quaker Steak and Lube. It's going to be right. Marty's Quaker Steak and Lube. And when Marty is out in the area, uh, you know, promoting his business, uh, it is it is a much more usually is a much more successful uh, uh, venture for everybody. And with the rate that we're growing, uh, we want to you know most franchisees want to get one or two or three restaurants opened up in the first two or three years, and people that come in with some infrastructure that have already done that once or twice, uh, it is a uh, it is a much easier ramp up uh, for their business. I imagine with your background too, Bruce, you know, that you can, you know, you have an advantage to some extent because you've been doing it such a long time that you can tell who's going to make a, a good franchisee or someone who is not going to make a good franchisee. I imagine your background has helped you to some extent, hasn't it? Yes. Yes, it has. And, and part of my background was I was a franchisee uh, right. uh, for uh, for a, a brand for, for several years. And so I personally have been on both sides of the fence. I, I understand right. how a franchisor acts and thinks and wants and needs, and, but more importantly, I understand how a franchisee acts and thinks and wants and needs because I was one. And I remember being on that side of the phone call or that side of the discussion or having opened the first restaurant in a market and what kind of support did I, did I need as a franchisee. Right. And w as a franchisor now, I always – think in that mode uh, right but as I'm looking for franchisees I I don't want to say everybody you know I want to replicate myself but mm -hmm. right uh, you know I, I like to see franchisees that come in uh, prospective franchisees and, and as as we are going through all of our due diligence we at Quaker Steak and Lube are looking at them just as much as they are looking at us to see if this is going to be a good partnership and uh you know, I like to see people in the restaurants. We 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 walk some time in the restaurants with a prospective franchisee, uh, and we work a, uh, for a few hours. And I just I like to see how they react to the customers, how they react to right. the to the staff. If they walk around with their hands in their pockets uh, sure. and they're afraid to touch anything, that may not be, you know, it, it may not be the best fit unless they're going to have you know somebody under them who is you know an operator. Obviously, somebody who's you know if I'm talking to a, an equity partner. Uh, who may or may not ever have to be in a restaurant, their operating right. partner uh, would. And so I look for people who are outgoing because uh, our guests, again, it's an experience they're looking for. Sure. They're not just looking for somebody to walk up and put a, uh, a rack of ribs on a table. Uh, they're looking for a, a good event, uh, a good experience, and somebody uh, who can be known out in the in the community. And that is, you know, there's introverts and extroverts, extroverts and sometimes right. – Somebody with a little more outgoing personality uh, is, is better for us. That's great. How does the training work, Bruce? I mean, once you decide that you know you you think they would be a good fit for a Quaker Steak and Lube, um, do they come out to corporate headquarters? Is that how it works? Uh, yes, a franchisee will come to corporate headquarters for a week or so. Corporate headquarters and also a, a training restaurant that is nearby, uh, uh, and they would. 
we basically go over what they should expect to see from their general managers in their restaurant and their field people when they come out of full training. A uh, restaurant-level district manager down uh, to restaurant-level and and bar manager, kitchen manager, we have full-blown training uh, programs for them that go anywhere from 8 to 12 weeks uh, in company-operated certified training restaurants throughout the country. And they go through a full nuts and bolts, everything to do with operating a shift in a profitable restaurant. On a franchisee level, we put them through just an orientation so they kind of understand what they should expect uh, out of their field-level staff. Uh, But more importantly, uh, how how we here in our support staff here at the office work to help them and what they can expect from us uh, in just – just to ensure that they're they're successful going ongoing, we introduce them to the entire team uh, that support them and their their franchise consultants and business managers that we give with them, and that is anywhere from you know a week to ten days uh, mm-hmm. of the beginning. But then, any it, all successful franchisors know that training never stops. Uh, as right. you know, it, it's really putting the support. Uh, and so in in place and letting the f- new franchisees know that as things come up, uh, we it's probably not the first time that, that we've seen it. We understand how to react to it, uh, and we can then uh, help them grow and improve their business in, in, in any fashion possible. That's terrific. We uh We've been doing the show, as I mentioned, Bruce, you know, over a decade. And, you know, you've been involved in franchising such a long time now. So I'm sure you've seen it. It just seems like every year there's more and more concepts. So what we found in doing the podcast such a long time is that, you know, a lot of our listeners in the beginning phase of looking to buy a franchise, a lot of them are confused because there's just so much out there. From everything you've learned up to this point, what advice would you give to our listeners in their quest to buy a franchise? Well, this is, this is, this would be coming from my experience when I was a franchisee. Mm -hmm. It is, it is work. Uh, the restaurant business is work. Uh, uh, you know, unless you're going to be a silent investor, an angel, uh, partner with somebody, but, uh, it is work. It is more work than you're going to, than you're going to expect. And so you need to love it. Uh, You know, like I mentioned in the very beginning, once I got a spatula in my hand and started turning burgers and and things like that, I I, I know that I grew to love it, and I couldn't imagine right. doing anything else. Uh, I would make a terrible franchisee of, of 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 another of another business. I wouldn't be able to do a business to business or a service industry uh, uh, type of thing, except in the restaurant, uh, because that's what I love. And right. knowing that it is uh, people that. Are passionate about what they do, and then can also get out and be the face of that brand, whatever that brand is. It is not the Quaker Steak and Lube. It is Marty's Quaker Steak and Lube, and Marty's going to be the one who's going to make that successful uh, in your hometown. And uh, that is what I would uh, have people look for. It's not a quick investment. Uh, it is a life. Uh, especially if you're going to be a single unit operator uh, or start it from your, start it from one and then grow to two or three, you're going to spend a lot of time in there, and you have to love what you're doing uh, 
because that will make everything worth. I mean, it will succeed if you love it. But if you're if you're the owner and you're dreading the day going in, uh, it is probably going to be a, a a long uphill battle for you. I uh, I just saw. I don't know if you saw the movie, Bruce, but I just saw it finally over the weekend. It, it took me forever to watch it. Uh, uh, we saw the founder. You know uh, the, the whole story of Ray Kroc and McDonald's. Right. You know, and it kind of reminded me a bit that in in the beginning of the early phases of McDonald's, I mean, there were some people like that who just kind of invested in it. They weren't being active in in, in the McDonald's franchise, and it, it, you you saw what a disaster it was. You know, it's just they were just investing in it, and it it, it became a nightmare. So it's interesting as you're telling the stories, you, you really have to be passionate about what you're doing. You knew, you know, at at a pretty early age you know, what your spark was, you know, and, and where all that motivation came from. So I, I think it's it's terrific as you're telling the story. W- what is Quaker Steak and Lube doing, Bruce, to stay ahead of the game and, and really compete with, you know, because you do have similar brands out there, don't you? So so what do you guys do to stay ahead of the game? Continually improve. I mean, even if even if they're not broken, uh, we 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 are trying to fix everything. We are continually working on on menu menu innovation. Uh, what's the next uh, flavor trend that is coming? What is happening a year and a half from now? We stay way ahead of way ahead of our of our menu development. Also in designs of the building. Uh, you know, we like as mentioned earlier, we've got some that are ten and twelve and fifteen thousand square feet. Those spaces are hard to find nowadays uh, and very expensive. Uh, right. So we are we yeah. have we are redesigning the building to make it a little make it a smaller box. We're making it adjustable for some uh, remodels. If we have some legacy restaurants that may have closed of another brand, how how can we adapt our culture and our environment into a smaller box? Uh, we are continually uh, doing that and just continually working on uh, everything that we talked about earlier, the hiring, the training, the technology. It is a moving target, and once we get laser-focused on one, the target just moves three feet to the right, and we have to keep, we have to keep going. Uh, but I would say uh, the main thing is our, uh, our menu development. Uh, and people can get good food anywhere. They get great food at Quaker Steak and Lube. A lot of times we're known for wings, but we have – outstanding ribs we have outstanding burgers uh and it is not just a wing joint when people say that oh it's just a wing joint uh, my my blood curdles <laughs> but right. it is a uh, it is yeah. a a well extended menu uh beyond what some of our competitors are uh and it is a a family friendly uh restaurant that for all seasons Terrific. Has, has Quaker Steak and Lube looked at like non-traditional uh, locations? We were talking about that a couple of weeks ago on the show, Bruce. Have, have you guys done anything like that? We have a few. Uh, yes, we have, and we are continuing to look for some. We have uh, we have a Quaker Steak and Lube Express inside one of our travel centers in Gary, Indiana. It's built wow. in a food court setting. Uh, we also have several restaurants in. We have two universities. Uh, we have restaurants that are in three different major sports arenas. Uh, we have a restaurant in the Cleveland Airport, uh, and we are uh, we are negotiating some other places in some small towns like a, a town square uh, of converting some old hundred-year-old buildings into 
uh, into some Quaker Steak and Lube restaurants. So we are very adaptive, and uh, all venues, you know, can uh, can uh, be Quaker Steak and Lubes. That's terrific. What, so what are the plans for the future, Bruce? You kind of mentioned a, a couple of things as far as, you know, goals and things like that. But where do you see, again, Quaker Steak and Lube, you know, three to five years down the road? I see a good uh, geographic organic growth. We are mm-hmm. we are strong just numbers of units wise in Ohio and Pennsylvania. Right. But we have some cities that are nearby that uh, that. We don't have representation in that we uh, that we could. Uh, to me, it would be the, the next logical step. That, uh, right. Philadelphia is a huge city for us. It should be a huge city for us because we yes. are. Uh, yeah. We're in Pittsburgh. We're in Harrisburg. We're in Williamsburg, uh, in New York. But we haven't, and we're also in in three restaurants in the Newark area. Philadelphia would be a great spot for us. Yeah. Indianapolis would be a great spot. Detroit and Chicago, all relatively close, uh, where customers are accustomed to us and are used to us and would be quickly, uh, Quaker St. Lube, I think, would be quickly adapted uh, and uh, uh, and uh, for the new restaurants in those areas. Uh, and so I would I would expect those res- those areas to build up re- relatively quickly. Uh, and we are aggressively uh, searching for single and multi-unit operators in those markets right now. But I would think long-term, uh, I would like to get to 150 to 200 restaurants uh, inside inside 10 years. I think that would be a uh, a great uh, spot for us. And it's it's you know I'm looking for long term uh, growth of the brand. Uh, right. Most of it franchise. I mean uh, we are we are developing new venues and and new uh, building prototypes that I am opening up on the company side. Uh, but I would think most of our, most of our growth would be on the franchise side of the business. That's terrific. What's the best way, Bruce, for our listeners to get more information on a Quaker Steak and Lube? Of course, there's the franchise opportunity, but even the, the restaurant itself. Are any websites that you'd like them to go to? TheLube.com, T-H-E-L-U-B-E.com. That has all of our information on it and links to all the other websites for franchising. That's terrific. And I'm glad I finally got to have you on the show, Bruce. And I'd like to invite you back over the next year or so as you continue to grow, because I think Quaker Steak and Lube is, is, is going to be a huge franchise throughout the country. So I'm really excited for you guys. Marty, I appreciate the time, sir. I have enjoyed it. Anything I can do for you, please let me know. This has been my pleasure, Bruce. And we'll be right back with more franchise interviews. Coming up on segment two, you're going to hear what every franchisepreneur needs to know before buying a franchise. We're going to play a clip from our popular Great Quotes in Franchising podcast right here on Franchise Interviews. Are you looking for a franchise that delivers? Businesses will always need shipping, and for more than 25 years, loyal customers have depended on Unishippers for reliable savings and exceptional customer service. Unishippers is focused on just one thing, helping small and medium-sized businesses save time and money on all their shipping needs. And as the largest reseller of complete shipping services in the country, we have the buying power to ensure that we succeed. The Unishippers franchise offers low startup costs, no equipment or real estate required because they're not retail, residual income, and a quality of life and work-life balance. 
For more information on becoming a Unishippers franchisee, go to www.unishippers.com and click Franchise Opportunities or call Franchise Development at 801-708-5822. That's 801-708-5822. Today's great quote in franchising is being brought to you by... Franchise Teacher. Would you like to know how to franchise your concept or grow your franchise business? Meet the experts at Franchise Teacher. The goal of Franchise Teacher is to teach, coach, consult, and advise. The team of experts at Franchise Teacher will evaluate your business model and present you with a winning business strategy. Franchise Teacher will help you decide whether or not your concept works and if it's franchisable. Franchise Teacher is proud to have over 30 years of experience in franchising as both franchisees and franchisors. Franchise Teacher are developers of over a dozen franchise systems which include brick and mortar as well as home-based concepts of nearly 3,000 combined franchise locations. Whether you need to add more units or get more customers, Franchise Teacher can help. We will teach. Franchise Teacher will help you learn our proven system. Coach. Franchise Teacher will help you provide a game plan to succeed. Consult. Franchise Teacher will make sure you stay on track. And advise. Franchise Teacher will help you learn from our over 30 years of experience in franchising as both franchisees and franchisors. Take advantage of our free, no-obligation phone consultation. Simply go to FranchiseTeacher.com or call us at 561-385-3032. That's FranchiseTeacher.com or call us at 561-385-3032. Hi everyone, this is Marty McDermott from Franchise Interviews and welcome to another edition of Great Quotes in Franchising, Rich podcast you get to hear a great quote in franchising. Today you're going to get to hear from Nick Bibby of the Bibby Group and Nick wrote a fantastic article a while back called Entrepreneurial Types. Listen to what Nick had to say, I thought it was brilliant. Perseverance, you won't persevere. Right. Right, absolutely. And, and oftentimes too much money is the enemy. <laughs> sure. Right, you got to have the motivation. Keep that, going. That's yeah. key. That's the number one. Absolutely. Yeah. There was something I wanted to go back to, Nick. You wrote a, a, a great article uh, that I read. It was called Entrepreneurial Types, and you identified the different types of entrepreneurs. You started with an entrepreneur um, and ended with a practical visionary. Do yeah. you want to talk a little bit about that or touch upon that? Because I thought it was a great article. Oh, thank you. Um, if you look at entrepreneurship again uh, on a scale of, of with, with independence as the, the, the key element on the scale, mm-hmm. and one entrepreneurial type in my mind is not better than another. It's simply who we are and where we best fit. Well, you know, the, the, the safest entrepreneurial setting is, intra, is entrepreneurship where right. you, you're operating – and I'm sure your listeners understand all this, you're operating within the framework of a company, there's there's a very limited risk factor. The further you move out on the scale of independence, the more alone you are. Certainly. So the next logical step would be what? Franchisee. And I've often used this expression, 
regarding the very finest of franchisees. It's an attitude of help me, but leave me alone. Sure. And, and, and so, you know, I can define each entrepreneurial type with uh, a given definition, and that's, again, part of the focus program, helping people decide really who they are. Right. And this is quite a lengthy process. When I say that the focus program is a no-fluff program, it takes time and effort to understand ourselves. I'm simply providing a framework and tools so that people can move through the process of understanding their entrepreneurial self. Right. Interesting. Okay. And by the way, the answer to you at the very end when I say practical visionary, mm-hmm. I always put a question mark after that. Yes, I remember that. <laughs> and the reason <laughs> is, you know, a vision may not be very practical at all. And oftentimes when the visionary pursues a dream, it's not about the marketplace. It's about them proving something. Right, right, absolutely, absolutely. We have about like one minute, Nick. I thought that was a fantastic article. You can actually read the whole article by going to bibigroup.com. Again, that's bibigroup.com, and it's under – articles and uh, again it's called entrepreneurial types so once again we hope you enjoyed this edition of great quotes in franchising and again we'd love to hear your feedback